Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Union's Town Talk, Season 2, Episode 4. We are just about at pretty much at the midway point of Season 2. So some of the things that we've talked about so far this season, we've discussed, uh, of course, we did our welcome back. We discussed some things that were going on since we were last here from the first season. We discussed financial fitness, mental health. And this week, we'll be discussing the UCCRP, which stands for Union, Community, Union County Community Remembrance Project. But first, let me introduce our team today. Once again, we have Ms. Tamika Wilson. Also, we have Ms. Anastasia Booker and Mr. TJ Booker. And joining us very shortly, we'll have uh, Equal Justice Initiative co-lead, Ms. Kate Borchardt-Shane. Hopefully, I said that correctly. Well, this will be another educational um session for us is also for me as well because this is something um that is very new to me as well but she will be joining us very shortly so let me before we get to our guests let me uh talk to my the panel again today so what do you guys kind of expect you know from this session today because like i said this is also new to me some of the things that i can honestly say that when i was coming up and growing up in, in school like some of the things just looking at this paper was very new to me i didn't even know about so what do you guys hope to get from this conversation today? I mean, mm-hmm. information, uh, mm-hmm. I've been uh, following Ms. Tamika and her group for a little while past the summer, and uh, I thought it would be some good information that we can get the lead people to understand the project so that uh, it'd be very inf- informative. So that's hopefully what I can, you know, just get some information off of it. Right. Uh, information, um, some historical facts I didn't know about in our own town, um, just some historical knowledge. Um, I know I read about the Dr. Long um, building and I recently just heard some um, of my co-workers who are older speaking about it so it kind of stood out to me. I was like okay there was a, a doctor's office. It was a first black, you know, African-American owned um, hospital. And it was right here. I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know, we had all that going on here. So I, I'm, I'm excited to learn uh, some, some knowledge I didn't know. And while we're getting everything set up for anybody that's watching, um, if you have any questions or concerns, please always feel free to comment. And if you have any questions um, for us during this episode as well, feel free to leave those kind of comments. But she will be joining us very shortly. But I want, I want to ask you guys also, how come you think we haven't heard about some of these things that have been going on in our uh, in our uh, community? Well, well, you know, of course, anytime you talk about heritage or history, it's going to be downplayed. Or, mm-hmm. or it's, it's in the past, but you can walk out and see it in your face. Anytime you go pay your uh, bill up at the courthouse, you'll see the Confederate Memorial. Uh, but when you mention uh, learning the history of what really happened, mm-hmm. uh, we, I'm not big on that or that's in the past. It ain't nothing I can change, but it's in your face. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of the history that that's, we're going to be talking about today, uh, in particular, one in particular, I'm going to leave that to the, the expert panel who actually spearheading this project, Mr. Mickle and her, her group. But, uh, so, you know, you get a lot of that. Well, I didn't do it or it wasn't me, uh, but you just realize so many things that happen in history affect the future. Mm-hmm. You know, I get, I get flying mad when people say, what happened to Tulsa? They're like, they're just having to Tulsa. No, they're not. That was a, that happened to everybody because that let me know uh, that 
if you decide to do what Tulsa did, this was going to happen to you. So now my grandfather, my grandmother, all of them had to pump brakes because they had to, you know, they didn't want that to happen to them. So that's how deep history is, and history uh, not remembered would be forgotten. Absolutely. Yeah, and I say like T.J. said, it's uh, for me it was some um, omitted historical lessons um, that we weren't taught. You know, it's the ugly truth. And sometimes, they, you know, we want to keep the ugly truth out of the eyes of, of, of the public, but it's, it's needed information because it's right here in our own town and we didn't know some of this stuff, you know? Like, you know about historical facts that happened throughout the nation, but what about your own town? You know, I, I feel like that should, maybe we should implement that in schools a little more, teach our kids a little more about union. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, like you said, just piggybacking off that, that was also going to be one of my questions was, should that be something implemented? Because we spend so much time in school learning about so many other cultures, and why not learn about what's going on in our community, what impacted our community, since we take the time to know everything else, you know, learn about what's going on here. And it's not to be divisive, but it's just important to know, mm -hmm. like, our culture and because we've impacted so many things and you know, like you said, like, if we don't talk about this, sometimes it may come to a point where, you know, our history will get wiped away and people won't even remember, like you're saying, like this stuff that happened, like I didn't even know about. So as I said, it's also important to you know, talk about these different things. So are we are we good to go with our special um, guest? Well, she we're trying to get her on. So what I'm gonna do is if uh, if y'all bear with us go ahead and kind of introduce the, the program and then we'll try to bring her on the live feed, the live video. I know we tested it out, everything worked when Stacy did it. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things as we continue to test out our, our technology. Um, but um, thank you for letting us come and, and participate today with respect to the Union County Community Remembrance Project. Mm -hmm. So as you said before, Carlos, I'm uh, one of the co-leads for Union County Community Members Project. Um, its inception was well before 2019 when I got involved. And Kate Shane, who is our guest, uh, she's a historian and she worked for the State Parks uh, Service as well. And uh, her and Nate Johnson and Al Hester, who are also historians, they happen to be white people. So that is, you know, I like to make that plain that that is what it is, the impetus behind some of this information. They were familiar with the Equal Justice Initiative, which um, highlights racial injustice, social injustice, in particular uh, lynchings all over the country that have been basically kind of, you know, camouflage, nobody talks about it, we know it happened. And one of the things that they wanted to do here in Union County was really bring that story to light. And we know as a, as a community, and you mentioned it, Stacey, that it's hard to talk about, right? TJ, you said the same thing. But we're not trying to shy away from it. We're, we're not trying to not talk about it because this is history. And I think the connection to now is you have the issues with police brutality. And I would say um, that's not everybody. It's not every police officer. It's not every individual, of course. Uh, but there's something going on in our country where 
that doesn't shake us to our core when someone is killed and they happen to be black mm -hmm. uh, at the hands of other folks and then there's no repercussions, right? There's no, you know, Elijah McClain was killed and they recently opened an investigation on him where they uh, came back and said that there was no reason for Elijah McClain, the young man in Colorado, mm -hmm. that got stopped uh, for no reason uh, for him to be gone now, right? So there's too many stories like that, and we know that there's too many stories in, the, in our history. And Union County had a significant history uh, with the Union County Jail. In 1871, it was a jail rate lynching there. And, you know, uh, 12 men essentially were taken out of a jail back then in January and February timeframe. Uh, we recently had our vigil on the 12th of February to commemorate and memorialize that activity. And, you know, we know for a fact uh, that events that led up to it created that mob mentality along with the KKK presence, right? Uh, and subsequently, people who were not involved in the previous incident uh, were killed, were lynched, right? And how many times has that happened in our history, unfortunately? So we want to bring it to light, we want to talk about it, we want to do it in a fair and equitable way. We want everyone to come to the table to talk about, you know, what does that mean for our, our county? What does it mean for our society? How do we talk about it truthfully? Um, we, we coined the phrase history, not division, um, because it is the history. And it's not just black history, it's our history uh, in the United States. So, Specifically, um, you know, some of the things that we've been looking at is trying to get more people involved and engaged in what we're doing, uh, to include the churches, because there's a lot of history there. There are churches that um, were involved in that reconstruction period to make sure that people were prote protected, to make sure that the fallout as a result of those lynchings, the families that remain, the wives and the children, uh, were actually compensated uh, for those incidents. So, you know, to, that, to us today, that'd be like a civil lawsuit, right? A wrongful death. Mm -hmm. So something similar happened in the 1870s as a result of these lynchings. Um, and so that just kind of gives you a broad overview about what we're doing. Um, we're having a church uh, Q&A on Saturday at three o'clock over Zoom. Uh, we're going to put out some more information about that. It's on our Facebook uh, page. And we're also having a Descendants Q&A. Um, so I know the Booker line is the Mose Hughes line. It's not related to the 1871 jail raid. But Mose Hughes is one of those individuals that was lynched during the Reconstruction period. And his name is one of four uh, that is listed on the epitaph. If you've ever been to Montgomery, Alabama, and they have a lynching kind of memorial there. And they're basically hanging pylons and all of the names have been inscripted into those pylons. Uh, and Mose Hughes, and we may be related to TJ, uh, from Union County specifically. So there's ones for Lawrence County, all these different places all over the, the country are represented there. And that's part of the Equal Justice Initiative side. Our goal is to get all of the names in Union County. And we know there's at least 22 that's in, uh, total 
that would include the four that I already recognize, that would be recognized in the national lynching uh, memorial. So we have a lot of ambition and hope for this program that also includes the potential for preserving spaces like the LW Long Community Resource, uh, Resource Center, the hospital, uh, Sims, portion of Sims. How, how can we work together to preserve some of those historical places that mean something to black people in Union County? So this is just a little taste. Um, I can keep continue to talk, but I want to get your questions. I gave you a lot of stuff to think about right out the gate. If there are any questions or concerns for anybody that's watching this, please feel free to, like we said, uh, ask any questions that you may have. Um, one of the questions I have, well, how, how long did you actually say that this has been going on in Union? Because this is, like I said, this is all new to me. So how long have we actually had the UCCRP? Right. So we um, had, there was a big meeting in about early 2019. Okay. Um, and that big meeting brought uh, community leaders, uh, laymen, historians, civic and faith leaders all together. They made it, met at Main Street Junction. That's when I got involved, actually. And I got involved through Curtis um, Hunter, my cousin. And she was one of the proponents to bring it to the table as well. So she's the director of uh, tourism in Union County. And basically, the pitch came from uh, Kate Shane, Kate Borchardt Shane, and the group uh, to talk about how could we actually, you know, start a community remembrance pro uh, pro project, because it is a formal project that the Equal Justice Initiative um, essentially, I don't want to say sponsors, but they help facilitate, right? Mm -hmm. So all, we do all of the work of course, and then they help facilitate some of the things that we're trying to do and, and give us exposure and guidance because there are multiple community remembrance projects that are going on. There's one in Greenville, South Carolina as well. Um, so 2019, we created the committees. We have a fundraising committee, which I'm the chair. I've been trying to give that job up, job up for a while now. <laughs> and then we have a, a history research committee which Nate Johnson, you mentioned TJ, uh, who's the park ranger out at Rose Hill Plantation. He's the lead of. We have a marker installation and soils collection committee and Curtis Hunter is the chair of that one. Uh, programming committee chair, that's myself. And then the communications committee is Rebecca Rochester. She's the chair of that. So we have a diverse group of folks that volunteer, raise their hand to say, hey, how can we be involved and do this type of work and continue to tell these stories? Um, the reason you probably haven't heard a lot about it is because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we had a lot of things planned and we had to essentially kind of back off. Um, and then we're trying to, you know, reset and restart in a safe way. Right. So having outdoor events, um, like we had on February 12th, um, where people, the participants drove up as opposed to standing around in a group or a circle. Uh, and then we've actually published that on our uh, Facebook page, which is private right now <laughs> because uh, there are people who have something negative to say about everything, right? Oh, yeah. So we don't want trolls. We don't want folks who, who want to come on and have an attitude or say something negative about what we're doing because we're trying to be positive. 
And while the information is extremely harsh and violent to some extent, uh, or to an extent, um, you know, it's the truth. We're not sugarcoating anything. So uh, I think um, having a couple of venues for people to uh, get in contact with us is good. So we share a lot of information on our Facebook group. Uh, we have 149 members. I think you're now 150 mm -hmm. <laughs> as of today. And then uh, we also have a public uh, side with our public website, which is www.unioncountycrp.com. So I know I'm doing a lot of talking because I, I want to get her, get her back on. <laughs> um, I have a question. Um, I did see a little, I saw the documentary, I saw, um, I, you know, me and TJ, we watched it, we went, we, you know, saw some of it, went over it. What was the, the main motivation behind these lynchings? That's a great question. So historically, back then, if you think about uh, coming out of post-Civil War, right, well, now, uh, you basically have enfranchised a whole population of people who did not have the right to vote before, right? Mm -hmm. Now they have uh, the right to vote, they have the right to hold office, they have the right uh, to own property and all kinds of things, right? So now uh, you have a group of folks, KKK members, white supremacists, uh, all of those folks who have decided that that doesn't work for them, right? Because mm -hmm. that means that my power is now gonna be taken away. So all over the South and all over the country, it basically became the precursor to Jim Crow laws. So lynching was a way to make sure you could suppress the vote, suppress participation. Uh, intimidation and fear was the order of the day. So if you just think about all of the power that you guys have now to be able to vote and to do the things that you're doing, just think about having that at 1871 and then someone saying, no, that's not good enough. I'm gonna stop you from doing that. So that's the, basically the impetus behind a lot of the uh, activity against black people specifically. You went from being slaves to now being part of the process. Well, that's not gonna work for us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not everyone, of course, but uh, a, a, a large majority of folks that either participated or said nothing. Oh, watch, just watch and not said nothing, which is just as bad. It's just mm -hmm. as bad. So silence is complicity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we know that people just kind of stood back and let it happen. And to a certain extent, it became just, it became the norm and it became the law of the land, right? And subsequently you have Jim Crow laws. And that lasted till when? 1965, mm -hmm. right? That's a long time, almost yes, another hundred right. years of suppressing mm -hmm. people's rights and votes and how they do stuff. So, mm -hmm. And then we're seeing some of that stuff happen, uh, unfortunately, again today. Mm -hmm. And I think talking about it helps us to combat it today. Mm -hmm. So, Even at talking about the lynchings, what happened then to you, can, when you can go and name these people by name, name yeah. who done it, the jailer, that kind of lets people know that, hey, you might get by with an unright killing right now, but sooner or later, somebody's going to bring your name back up. Somebody's going to bring your name back. Did you just watch? Mm -hmm. You know, or, or were you on a jury when you said, well, we're not going to bring charges 
you know, mm -hmm. on the Ahmad Arbor case or anything. Mm -hmm. We're going to lay the right. Mm -hmm. And just know that you may think you're getting away with it, but your children, even when you're dead and gone, it could come back up, you know. Mm -hmm. So if this coming back yeah. up from 1861. 1871. 1871. Yeah. Just imagine, mm -hmm. no matter what you think you can get by with, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to always, what's in the dark, what they always say? Come to light. Yeah. And, and I see where you're going with it. It's not like you're trying to throw shame on anyone, but it's just to build. In order to, you got to address the elephant in the room. Right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because that's what's going on right now. Today, uh, why do we have the division between, you know, police officers and people sometimes? Because, you know, the same thing can happen right now. Mm -hmm. And if it happens and no one says nothing, no one does anything about, does anything about it, mm -hmm. you know, you're back to where you started. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. It's, it's a good history lesson for for adults as well, you know, because it's it's it should be basic information we should, we have gotten at an earlier age because you get a lot of information. You get um, information on slavery, somewhat. Mm -hmm. You get your children get field trips to plantations. You know, mm -hmm. you get mm -hmm. all of these things, but it's somewhat sugar coated. Oh yeah, yes. and mm -hmm. you know your kids, all they know is oh we were indigenous, you know our what enslaved people you know there were enslaved people that had to work they don't really get the full story and they don't mm -hmm. understand that after slavery as you said these people all of a sudden became a part of the community it became part of society and it was ripped right back from yeah. for what another hundred years mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they don't understand they get pieces mm -hmm. and it's like that piece was taken out of history mm -hmm. and i talked to us and you learned it you learn it as you get older, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it was there the whole time. And like TJ said, you hear about um, Rosewood or Tulsa and you're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. But it's like, guess what happened in your town? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it, it, it really is this kind of, uh, I, you know, every, no one wants to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah. No one wants yeah. to believe that um, you know, we have a portion of our, our pathways project, the pathways, I think you guys saw the, the videos mm -hmm. where we essentially did a guided exploration of videos of each of the locations where the individuals were lynched at. And we talk about them individually, their story and what happened. And, you, you know, what you're realizing is that, well, the people that were the victims, well, the perpetrators their descendants are still here, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So no one wants to, to kind of own up to the fact that, yeah, my great-great-grandfather or uncle or whatever may have been part of that activity, uh, you know, those lynchings, mm -hmm. as a perpetrator, right? Um, you know, even our own history, you don't want to find out that somebody, you know, did something wrong yeah, in your, yeah. in your yeah. history, in your yeah. lineage. Yeah. But these are, these are facts. We're not making anything up. One of the things that we stress is that, you know, we have multiple written sources mm -hmm. of the information from those times um, that talk about the incidents as well. So it's not like, you know, this is hearsay mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, some, this was passed down and passed down. However, we know a lot of our stories, black stories, the only way we know about them is because someone told us something yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, while there's a certain amount of hearsay that, you know, is, is not what uh, permitted in, in a court of law, right? 
but we know that uh, witnesses mm -hmm. to those events passed that information on to their ancestors, mm -hmm. to their descendants. So I just look at it as, you know, you talk about the elephant in the room. Do you want to be that person that is saying, oh, well, that didn't happen? Because now you're telling a lie to yourself and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. When you know it happened. And I'm not saying, you know, jump up and down and say, yeah, this was my dad, my, my great-great-grandfather was in the KKK or anything crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there is a, a, an opportunity for uh, white folks and black folks in this community to start having those conversations. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've actually briefed folks like Sheriff Bailey about this mm -hmm. because we want to have a historical marker um, that's placed uh, at the jail. Mm -hmm. And that historical marker is going to talk about the history. So we've gotten the verbiage approved um, already. Uh, and then we just have to get the marker actually built and made and in, in place. And we hope to do that in June. And then we're looking at other historical markers uh, to get placed uh, uh, in June for the rest of the individuals. So we have a jail one, and then we'll have another one across the street at the LWLM Community Resource Center. So you really would have kind of this storytelling mm -hmm. that happens right around the courthouse, right? You know, yeah. in this community of people that were exposed to this, that this happened to. Um, but what was key is that there's resilience after that, I think. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't just go away. Mm -hmm. We're all still here, right? Mm -hmm. We're still successful. We're still doing things in this community. So I, 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 I I'm excited about this, I'm passionate about this, and I feel like there's a lot to be done here in Unity County as a result of it. Mm, you know, I appreciate, appreciate your work, hard work. Mm -hmm. it, it does make a, it makes a big difference because uh, once you put it out there and people see it and know and say, look, how can we move forward? Yeah. And that's, I think that's your whole big uh, part of the whole thing, how can we move forward? Absolutely. And, and how do we not end up being back in that same place? Mm -hmm. And you know, it kind of, it. I would think it would help open eyes to those who turn a blind eye to things. Mm -hmm. um, understand why you shouldn't. This is what happens when you turn a blind eye. Um, you know, instead of saying that doesn't affect us, that doesn't have anything to do with us, or, you know, it's not true, that's not real when you could clearly see it. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes speaking up, um, it, it helps mm -hmm. others, you know, even when it doesn't involve you, if you speak against it or you don't approve of it, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that helps others because now you have people who, you know, feel like Black Lives Matter, that's a hate group or what is the need for that, you know, mm -hmm. that was in the past, everyone's treated equally, mm -hmm. but yet when you see an injustice, you turn your head to it, mm -hmm. you know, this was an injustice. Yeah. And how many people turned their head to it? Mm -hmm. Would it have happened if they would have spoken up against it mm -hmm. from the get-go? You know, it's, it's, it's something to look at and learn from. And I don't know if a lot of people know about it, but these people that were lynched, a lot of them were actually government uh, militia that the government ordained and gave them the power to try to help protect mm -hmm. their own community. They had government-issued weapons. Yeah. They had the government, they were, they were employees actually for the government and you know, people saw fit to say, look, we're going to go take their lives because mm. we don't want you to do it. They didn't tell us, say, well, mm -hmm. you know, you're supposed to respect the law. Well, actually, they were law. 
you yeah. know, and then the law who's supposed to help protect them mm -hmm. was the very ones that end up helping take their lives, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned that. So, you know, some of the background of the individuals that were lynched, you know, Kay, uh, Captain uh, J. Alexander Walker was actually uh, a militia member. He was an African-American militia member, black militia member, which is essentially the National Guard back then, right? So can you imagine that someone in the National Guard is actually being lynched because of some because of the color of their skin, right? So people don't realize that, that these aren't just names, you mm -hmm. know, on a page. You know, these people had lives. They had they had families. They were husbands. They were sons, brothers, uh, and some we know didn't have any family to maybe mourn them or fight for them. Um, this was a case that was investigated by the Pinkerton Agency. You ever mm -hmm. heard of the Pinkertons? Like you see them in the Old West. Mm -hmm. uh, the Pinkerton Detective Agency actually sent down uh, agents to um, interview folks, and there were a few folks that actually came forward uh, that talked about it, like Eliza Chalk. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, nothing came of it because no one would name the individuals, mm -hmm. right? So you had a big cover-up of the, the actual uh, lynching itself. So it, it is, is really sad, but I think that the sad part um, can be overtaken by the fact that we're continuing to have this discussion today. So. And you know, to me, I, I, when I saw the video, I saw where you were standing, um, I think it was you on that part, when you said where Captain um, Walker mm -hmm. was in that area where he may have been lynched. And I said, is that near Walker Heights? And I don't know. <laughs> I, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's near Walker Heights. And I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder if that yeah. has something to do with the name of that street. Because, you know, I was like, that's kind it's, of a coincidence. Yeah, it's possible. You know, the, the, it's actually the same area that uh, Elder Belong uh, has a house. He has a house over there. Um, so, it, you know, it just, it's weird how everything kind of mm -hmm. comes together in... in you know, latter days, but uh, yeah, I, I need to do some research. I'm gonna find out for sure <laughs> and see exactly if that was a namesake for the gentleman that, that was there. And, and my thing is always is to Christian folks. Uh, when you see injustice like this, and you say you're Christian, when you go to your own Bible, you see where the Bible says that if you had a brother that was beaten, uh, robbed, killed, and stole from, and you the Levite, actually, and the priests who were supposed to be God's people, they walked across the street mm -hmm. and, and, and said that didn't happen, or mm -hmm. I don't see that, or that don't involve me. Mm -hmm. And I think as God has always given us the opportunity to correct our mistakes, you know, don't fall upon the same mistakes as your forefathers did or mm -hmm. your grandfathers did when they allowed hate to uh, portray that train of thought mm -hmm. or, and then say they love God because it don't add up. In the Bible that I read, I challenge any last one of you, it don't add up. And if you find yourself in that position where you're saying, well, uh, all lives matter, when you say, the man got shot seven times in the back, and I, that, you know, uh, the one that happened over the summer, what's his name? Uh, Ahmaud Arbery. No, not Ahmaud. No, the one that got shot five times, the police shot in the back seven times. Oh, Blake. Jay Blake. Yeah, Jay. Yeah, Blake. Yeah. Yeah, Blake. When Blake got killed, 
Now, officer actually held his shirt while he was dropping bullets so he couldn't even fall because he had him by his shirt. And you sit back there and you watch. And then you turn around and see what happened at the Capitol. Mm. Just do the same thing. Mm. Do everything in your power. If you're a police officer, you're saying, well, uh, I stand with the police, I back the blue. I back the blue too. But blue, you got to do right. Mm -hmm. Treat each and every person as if you wanted or you cared about their life and realize that they had family. And then we, and it takes this jailhouse lynching to see how officers can be. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and what we have to see now is that for me to call myself a Christian or love God and sit back and watch things like that happen and say, hold on, we need to examine ourselves and see why this is happening or how long have this been happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess and, I know our guesses. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, this is, for me, this is, um, it should be an eye-opener um, that, like you said, you have documented proof that this happened. This is injustice. This is treating people different because of the color of their skin. It happened. It's documented proof. Jim Crow laws. It's documented proof. It happened. And then you have people, mm -hmm. you know, often say, why do you want to separate? Why is there um, this for blacks or this for blacks? It's kind of like making up for that long period of time that mm -hmm. we didn't get it. It's not mm -hmm. saying that we want to separate because we want to be treated equally as all, all people. You know, United States, all people want to be treated equally mm -hmm. as citizens mm -hmm. it, and not based off the color of your skin or your gender. Mm -hmm. You should be treated equally as people. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of a reminder to say, okay, if we're going to call ourselves United States and that all men are created equally, do so. You know, and here's the proof showing that that hasn't happened just yet. It's, and, and I say yet because we still have events that go on continuously that... Um, it, it sets us apart based off the color of our skin. We get mistreated often. Mm -hmm. And here's something that, I mean, how can, were they, these victims, you, you can't victim blame here. Not in my opinion, you can't, yeah. you know, but that happens often. And it's, it's kind of like, okay, now it's time to recognize that inequality is real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's perpetuated, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, not talking about it is not going to solve anything, right? So, you know, the, the one thing that we talked about is, is our mission with the UCCRP is to, you know, to document what you talked about and recognize the history of lynching and racial terrorism in Yankee County. And then our vision is we want to foster ongoing collaborative education, justice, and healing. So this is one of the ways that we talk about it with respect to uh, collaborating with unions, time we talk, collaborating with, you know, Cross the Line podcast, mm -hmm. and then talking about the education and the justice piece as well. And then that other side, which I think what TJ is getting at is the healing piece, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, eventually, you know, we, we're talking about how do we reconcile what has happened? Yeah. You know, how do we get to the next step, the next phase um, of, of this discussion? So, you know, you know, we, we're, we're planning our uh, descendants Q&A on the 27th at 1 o'clock uh, on Zoom. 
if there are any descendants who, who think they might be descendant, go to our Facebook page, go to our, uh, our Union County CRP.com page as well. You sign up there and we'll send you an invitation to participate. Um, and we know we haven't done a lot of advertising for it because I've been very busy. But <laughs> and we're doing the same thing for the church uh, that same day, and that'll be at three o'clock on Saturday on the 27th. So it's a way to have those conversations in a safe space, um, answer everybody's questions, you know, with historians and subject matter experts about this topic, and and really kind of get to the next step. You know, one word that we always hear people talk about and they get upset about is reparations, right? Mm -hmm. And no matter how you feel about reparations and whatnot, I think the other word that we don't use is reconciliation. So just about every culture has some sort of reconciliation mm -hmm. process, except. right? Except us in the United States. So we have never reconciled what happened mm -hmm. in the United States, whether it's the indigenous <laughs> you know, Native Americans, whether it's, uh, you know, enslaved peoples, predominantly African American or blacks in this community. So, so how do you expect anyone to move on or grow or have, you know, honest conversations if you're never going to reconcile what happened? Mm -hmm. So if I robbed you today, right, I, I did a stick up in this building right now, uh, and then I'm being held accountable in a court of law. Part of that uh, reconciliation or healing is actually having the individual be able to say something to the person that robbed them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you, you ever seen that in, in, in courts, you know, mm -hmm. or the person that was, the family that was a member that was murdered, they bring the family in to confront right. the individual. Well, we've never had that. We've never had that process, unfortunately. Uh -huh. um, so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm do looking you, at some of the comments from uh, Alex. <laughs> do, do you, I don't know what steps we would necessarily take, but is it, do you think there's any way that we may, you guys may get involved like in school or try to get these lessons taught in school? That's a, that's a great question, great question. So one of the things we did do was um, in that collaboration space is, um, we talked to Dr. Latanya Means, the principal for Sims, and it's still in the works. Nothing has been agreed to yet because I don't want to put her on the spot. <laughs> but um, we present an opportunity for an after-school program that talks about ghost boys. And she actually recommended the book. And it talks about a young man who was killed by a police officer. And what we did was we tied that to our kind of equal justice initiative uh, efforts to have a curriculum that really gets after what does that mean? Um, having those honors conversations and having volunteers for that after school program. And it's strictly based on um, you know, participation from the parents and approval from the parents mm -hmm. uh, geared towards sixth graders. So we're hoping that once we actually get the superintendent engaged uh, and uh, continue to progress with this effort, that would be one of the programs that we could offer to uh, young people. Because a lot of people think that, oh, this is too harsh for young people to hear. Is it? They're seeing stuff on TV all yeah. the time, right? <laughs> That's not really a fair statement. I, said, I think what's unfair is 
for them to see something and never have anybody give them the context or talk about it mm -hmm. or give them the, you know, the ability to understand what they're seeing and actually be able to, to heal. Because, you know, you're talking about traumatic experiences that we are all seeing on TV and the news and everything else yeah. and never really kind of addressing it or talking about it in an honest way. And then we also have um, USC Union invited us to have a lunch and learn uh, tomorrow oh. at noon. <laughs> so we're going to do a lunch and learn with our committee to talk to uh, their student population and their faculty about the UCCRP and what we're doing as well. So, That's good. That's and then the other thing is we're trying to do an essay contest at the high school as well because there's a scholarship associated with oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, guys, the scholarship associated with it. Yeah, yeah, there's a scholarship associated with that and um, you know, we want to do that we were we gonna we were gonna do all of these things you know before the before the pandemic wow. right the COVID hit so we're having to push some things to the right so we're looking at the fall for a lot of this activity uh, and next spring so we may be able to do the essay contest this spring but it's this it's already practically March so we might not be able to get to do it but we'll see um, but man I hate I didn't get to bring on. Kate. Can she try again? That's all. I'm, I'm looking for her. I see <laughs> other people. Kim Satchler Bailey and Crosby. Let's see. Alexander's Tucker's on. I can't see anyone else that's, that's on. They had up to eight folks, so I you, think maybe she had an issue. She's on your phone. Let me go check real quick. Stand by. <laughs> so while while we wait, um, one of the things I wanted to to ask him, uh, I, if we can get her on is Kate, but I will hopefully we can get her on. But one of the things I was going to ask her, but I'll, I'll ask you guys instead. When you when you when you see these things, the, this long list of death on um, on this sheet of paper, like how does that make you feel? Like seeing this type of this type of stuff that happens to our people. Don't don't surprise me. Uh, it don't surprise me at all. And you get numb to it after a while, mm -hmm. and that's sad to say. But what what makes me feel worse about that is people who watch the same thing go on today, mm -hmm. and they have nothing to say about it, or, or you're trying to stir up trouble. Huh. That that's the only, you know, that's the majority. Of the worst feeling I get out of the whole situation mm -hmm. is that somebody would see that today and not try to do something about it or say. Uh, Police lives don't matter, so nobody's saying police lives don't matter. What I'm saying is that if somebody do a crime, they need to go to jail for it. Or so, they get, get arrested. Uh, do everything in your power not to harm. And, and so most most police officers do do that. So I'm not going to sit there and say some are uh, actually partaking in justice. A lot of them will actually go out of the way not to hurt or shoot anyone. So that's the good thing. So I do want to recognize the fact that you do have officers that uh, have an opportunity to pull a weapon and don't. Right. You know, so the looking at that list of people, uh, you never know, you know, that, those people from union, it's probably our relatives. Yeah. You know, a lot of things I mentioned. She said something about us. Kate says she requested. Request again, Kate. Uh, And for, we do this with, with our she's coming up. 
<laughs> for me, I see a list of possible fathers, husbands, brothers, you know, um, uncles, all of that. You know, you, you have to recognize that that's someone's family and it could have been some a family that depended on that person that you took out of a household, um, a son that grew up without his father. Um, and, and those type of things based off the fact that you didn't like that they were of a certain color or they were of black, they were black and you didn't like it. You didn't feel mm -hmm. like they had a right or a power to stand up against something and you took their lives. Their lives were taken because of that, because of hate, right. you know? Um, and it's like, look at that list. You know how many families were affected? When those people were killed, and that list of people that tells me right now, when I hear somebody say, "Well, I don't vote," or "It don't matter," don't you know when you vote, you become a juror? You know those guys stood trial, or uh, the, the perpetrators. I think they did stand trial, didn't they, to to make them were found not guilty? Uh, in most cases, none of these individuals stood trial. Oh, most of them. Okay. So. Hey. She's on, we got, we, we got a historical moment here. We finally got to add someone. Hi, Kate. Can you hear us, Kate? Uh, okay. Mom, I can check that speaker as well. Um, uh, I think that speaker went down. Did it go off? I think, I think the battery went down. If it is, you probably have, we, we could hear pretty good from that other speaker. There it is, there we go. Let me just turn it back on. Can you hear us now, Kate? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, we got you. Okay, awesome. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to hold it down, so I left some stuff for you to talk about. <laughs> there might be a little delay, but we got you. I can't hear you guys anymore. I think there's a delay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Kate, if you can hear me, I'm gonna just say, go ahead and, and talk about EJI, if you would, and your involvement, and we're gonna listen. <laughs> Go ahead, Kate. I have no idea why there's a delay. Mm -hmm. Bandwidth issues in the country, people. Right. <laughs> yeah, we go. Can you hear us, Kate? Go ahead. Oh, she's saying she can't hear. And right. Alex is saying that the sound is low now. Kate is clear. He, he says she's clear. Okay. <laughs> so 
So if you guys are watching, just please bear with us. We have Tay on. We're just trying to get everything situated. She's saying that she can't hear us um, for some reason, but we're just bear with us for a few moments as we try to get everything taken care of. Yeah. Okay, I think that I can hear, I, I think that I can <laughs> So go ahead, go ahead. A little bit about EJI, which Ian talked about. Um, so I think you guys touched on it a little bit and you're familiar with the process. A little bit of delay here. Yeah. <laughs> I can see her talking, but I can't hear her. Right. <laughs> and there's an echo. Okay. So what we're going to do, Kate, is we got you on video. Um, we're going to continue to talk and have you kind of kind of participate. Play it from your phone. Play it from my phone. Yeah, okay. just so we can hear it from your phone. Oh, let's try it. Okay. So I may have to turn this off. Yeah. There's an echo. Hi, Kate. Can you hear us now? I can hear you. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, would you tell us a little bit about EJI? I think I'm still having the echo happening. Yeah, very good. I hear what you but I got a lot to do. But we were missing from from this phone. Go ahead and talk about EJI. We won't interrupt. Go ahead. All right. So we're we're just having those technical sound issues. We got a lot of things running at the same time over yeah. here. <laughs> we got phones running, we got everything running. So, Kate, I wanted you to talk about the Equal uh, Justice Initiative. So what we're gonna do is have you just call in. Okay. So can we give her a phone number to call? What's your, what's your number? Eight six four. Call in Kate to eight six four. I'm not typing now. I'm pretty sure I can't answer. Let me see if it'll let me. Alright. It's going to knock it out. Yeah, Kate, it kicks us off the uh, video when I do that. <laughs> yeah, call the other number that I posted in the chat. You know, I think did the live just end? Okay. There we go. So she should be calling that number. 
have a question about the victims. Yes. Uh, were any of their bodies uh, found? Were they properly buried? Oh, yeah, of course. That's a, that's a great question. Hey, Kate, can you hear us now? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, thank you. Probably should have did that right out the gate. I think our guests can hear us as well. <laughs> but we tried. We tried. Oh, thank you. Thank you. One question um, uh, Stacy had here, just quick introduction. Stacy Booker, TJ Booker, and Carlos uh, are all part of the panel for Union's Time We Talk. And of course, I am too. And Kate, one of the questions was Do we know what happened to the victims as far as their bodies? And, and were they buried appropriately? What, what happened? Mm -hmm to them mm -hmm. do you know yeah, so it's it's a very um I, i'm hesitant to <laughs> to describe in full detail exactly what mm -hmm. happened to the bodies it's very very graphic oh um, wow in a lot of cases the men's bodies were so mutilated mm. uh that that they were unrecognizable um there were cases where we think the community uh, came and buried the bodies. They were usually, if that was the case, they would have been buried in an unmarked grave. There are cases where families were forbidden from touching the bodies, and so the bodies decomposed mm -hmm. where they were left. Mm -hmm. um, that was the case for Lewis Thompson, who was lynched uh, in the late 1800s, and he, the, the, it was very, very graphic. Uh, probably one of the most graphic lynchings that happened in Union County was, was the lynching of Lewis Thompson. Wow. And he was, his body was mutilated and tortured. He was tortured while he was alive. And then his body was left on the banks of the Tiger River, and the Klan forbade him forbade the community and his family from burying his body or they would retaliate against his family. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And so there's a mm -hmm. lot of newspaper articles from that time that document that oppression. I mean, really, it is oppression, and it, and it was specifically designed terrorism against the black community. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it is, you know, a lot of times it's, it's extremely traumatic uh, mm -hmm. what happened to their bodies after their death. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even wow, really that, think yeah. about that. Yes, that's, that's stunned. It took my breath away when you thought about it in the tail. Yeah. That gives you a little more visual on it and, and kind of um, just opens your eyes a little more because it's mm -hmm. like, wow, like this went on and people saw it. And I mean, it's yeah. almost like the Klan was the law. Like they yeah, were the yeah. law. Mm -hmm. They were the law. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, quite quite a few of them were um, back then, and I don't think it's a stretch for for us to say that they were judges, they were pastors, yeah. they were jurors, they were um, landowners, they were business owners. You know that that's the society that was was you know as a result of losing the war. 
right? So how do we how do we express some sort of control now? And right. you know, the KKK was a result, res, direct result of that uh, that control, that effort. So, but oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you, like, but think about it: the Klan and stuff, in doing that, they would actually celebrate and they would pass that down what they did to their family members and on to each other how would they i mean it was something that they would brag about and kind of pass on down to generation to generation saying we did this to kind of keep this the let the north know that they weren't going to run the south was it that kind of thing that went on yeah i think absolutely that happened um you know we have several different kind of historic records that speak to that so there, there was a white woman who, what, who's, I mean, her, I think her husband was probably in the clan. She wrote this kind of expose piece at the time that named all of these different white people in Union County who were, who were in the clan. And she talks about how she and some of the other women were involved in making clan costumes and, you know, kind of supplied the clan with food and, so these kinds of things, it's, it's not just, and I say that, one, to, to kind of emphasize that people were bragging about this, and two, to emphasize that white women were not exempt from this, from the acts of the Klan. The white women very much fueled and were part of the Klan from the beginning. You know, we often talk about white men, but it's, it's, it's important to recognize the role of white women in that, too. And then, you know, also I think really the point of it, if, if you're looking at it from the perspective that the, the point of this terrorism was political and social control of black bodies. You know, it's very clear why these white supremacists would brag about these events because they wanted it to be known. It, they wanted it to be understood that um, black freedom was not something to be had, that, that, um, that there was physical violence waiting for you if you tried to engage your, your rights. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's very, it was very much a situation that, did, that this was widely known, you know. For example, D.C. Gist, David Gist, who was the son of William Henry Gist, who owned Rose Hill Plantation. That's my, um, my grandfather. about him and his eulogy that he was a Klan member. So this is a kind of like bragging, I, I think bragging is kind of a non-academic term, but the kind of uh, showmanship that went on with the Klan. Kate, Kate, this is Carlos. Um, I have a couple of questions for you. One of the things when I look at this list, um, it's a very lengthy list, but one of the first things that comes to mind that I think of is like, how many more um, people were there? Were, were there? Is it was it more people that were victims of this, or that 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 uh, that went unknown, or is this the total list? And like, how many people um, did this actually happen to? that we don't have records. 
record of or that we haven't we haven't discovered yet. And so we're kind of continually doing this historic research and finding more details and finding more descriptions of things. So, you know, I fully think that that number was higher. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you look at the EJI's website, they have a, they have like a map and you can hover over each state and over individual counties in each state and it'll give you the number of victims that were lynched. And one caveat I'll say with that is that is, that is a minimum, at bare mm -hmm. minimum number of people that were lynched in those counties. You know, there's, there's hundreds more in each state. Wow. I think that this probably happened too. And and the other thing I want to ask you is, is when you see when you see this list of um African Americans that will that will murder like you said this is like the minimum right here, um how does that make you feel when you see um the injustice that that went on in the past and that's still currently going on when you see look at this list? Yeah, I, I mean it's the the tie. I think there is a direct tie from this history of lynching which is really the history of white supremacy into, into what is happening today. And as a historian, I, I strongly believe that the entire reason that we have white supremacist action today is because of our history in this country. And that, like Tamika said, it hasn't been dealt with, it hasn't been addressed. White people have not owned up to what they have done and the, and the physical and emotional and psychological harm that they've caused. And so, you know, especially as a white as a white woman doing this work, I feel extremely angry. You know, there's there's so much that white women have to atone for when it comes to lynching in particular. I mean, in general, but in uh, in lynching in particular, because with many of these lynchings, white women were the were the the, uh, the cause of them. So they they claimed that black men sexually assaulted them or raped them, and the, the black community was kind of like, no, this isn't what happened. They were in a consensual relationship, but they were found out, and the white woman basically threw the black man under the bus, and he was murdered because of it. And, and that's not something that you just walk away from 100 years later. That's something that is embedded into our society and affects the way that, that we operate now. Yes. Uh, okay, I, I remember, I know you heard of Susan Smith. I remember when she did that same thing. I remember guys riding around with horses and ropes. Uh, and they said they was looking for the baby, but what did they need ropes and horses and shotguns for? Wow. Uh, and that was in 1994, the year I graduated high school. I, 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 I can actually remember now and see those guys. So at that point in time, they probably was ready to go lynch then. If somebody were, if, they, if her story would have came out to be true, or if they were to find someone, you think that it would have went to that in 94? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that it is, you know, you see people, you, you saw people at the, uh, at the insurrection at the Capitol with gallows. They were constructing gallows. I mean, the, the, this is never that far underground. Like, huh. the idea of, of white people feeling so threatened by by the idea of the enfranchisement of black people that you know their first their first instinct or not maybe not first instinct but one of the instincts is to construct a gallows i mean that's happening now that's happened throughout our entire history people think that this isn't you know there's not a direct tie that isn't still happening it, it is still happening 
it's really just because it wasn't in a lot of people's view for 50 years doesn't mean that it wasn't happening and it wasn't it really wasn't that far underground yeah, yeah. And, and you know the 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 viewership and the mentality of the community who participated without participating. You know, there's a, there's a space called the Hanging Grounds in Union County. If you have something called the Hanging Grounds, that was a legitimate and, and you know, legitimized, I guess is the right word, uh, location to bring people to justice, so to speak, in Union County. And that included lynchings of black people. So, you know, it was like a fair type yeah. of thing. It was, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, young kids would be yeah. going to witness someone being lynched. Yeah. Uh, and this, this perpetuated, you know, well into civil rights movement and, and beyond. So we know this happened. And this is right here in Union County where they have something called hanging grounds. And, and uh, Rebecca Rochester is, is our communications, and she remembers it. <laughs> she remembers, you know, witnessing and seeing uh, mm. that type of activity. So mm. it's not so far removed. It's not a hundred years ago. This is, you know, you know, recent. If, if you know, you're talking to your grandparents about uh, some of these things, or your great grandparents, it's it's not this old back in the day type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's very important to uh, continue to say their names, you yes. know, uh, just as just as, as we're saying the names of the young people today. And you yeah. know what also stands out to me is um, I just kind of somewhat connect dots, and you said how that was the um, hanging grounds, and that area is near the fairground. You know, um, where you go to see shows and see car shows and fairs and things. So it's like, you know, we have to look around and say, where does this history come from? Is it really from something that we don't know the full truth about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kate, I, I want to ask you, um, just from your standpoint, why do you think um, having these types of conversations make a lot of people uncomfortable? Yeah. She said, <laughs> And, and, and 
there's so many reasons why. But, but the main thing that, I, that I've said before and that I always come back to in these conversations with other white people is that when you say it's not me and it's not my people that did this, you're saying you are not acknowledging the pain and the trauma that the black community has gone through at the hands of people who look like you. And it doesn't really matter whether you did it or not. That's not really what we're talking about. I'm not saying that you did that. But I am saying that as a white person, you have inherited that legacy of people who who looked like you and who have acted like, like that. And that is the legacy that you've inherited. And you have to acknowledge that in order to, uh, you know, have any semblance of, of justice. So, you know, it, it, it's really about the harm that was done to these black individuals and, and, the, and the harm that was done to the black community as a, in general. You know, we often emphasize that it wasn't just these individuals, but it was the terrorism yes. of the whole black community. Yes, that's what that I was saying. Really, that was impacted. So, you know, it, it's saying that kind of thing where it's not me, it's not me. It's just not helpful. It's putting yourself at the center of the story that isn't about you. It's saying, "Well, I'm uncomfortable, and I don't want to, and I don't want to be seen for this." Instead of saying, "I acknowledge that this was done, and I want to work towards something different." Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when all this went on, did you have a few people, like especially like white people, did you have some that actually aided and helped? Uh, you know, knowing that they will have repercussions themselves. To help the black race, did you did y'all discover that in there in union? Yeah, so so there were actually in, in in union during that time, especially during Reconstruction. So you know the period after the war, after eighteen sixty five, there were several uh, white Republicans, and one of those was actually named Jerry Goings, and he was he was beaten. Within, to, within an inch of his life, according to the accounts, uh, for for being a Republican leader, but also for helping other black Republican leaders during that time. So the Klan, I mean, it, it wasn't, I'm very careful to say that, you know, if, if the Klan's motivation was white supremacy. Okay. But anybody, any white person who, who defended black communities was going to face that too. Yeah, any allies. Yeah. And that's the same thing today, right? Any, yeah. Anybody that's, that allies themselves with against white supremacists become part of the, the victimization as well. I'm still so taken back. I'm We knew it, but yeah. it's like oh, wow. Whoa, whoa. And then when you when you said guess, right? I grew up. My father, my grandfather's Booker and Jeter. When you grew up, and I just knew my grandfather. Her her aunt name was uh his her his aunt name was Annabelle Guest. And they grew up on the mansion down there. So I'm looking like, wow. I mean, when you said guest, I'm like, hey, you talking about my grandfather's uh, auntie and all of that? Mm-hmm. You know, we were we knew we were guest Booker Jeter, you know, and Mo Mobley, whatever. So I'm like, wow. I'm stunned yeah, and, at the I've terrible done account. That. Wow. I've done a, I, and I could probably have a whole, you know, three hour conversation <laughs> with you about that family line. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> we've, we've done a lot of research at Rose Hill about the Jeters and the Bookers, um, and, and we've done a little bit on Annabelle Gist, and we actually did an oral That's history with, what? with a couple of people. So it's, uh, you know, I think that, that kind of family line descended from people who were enslaved at Rose Hill and who were, who were probably enslaved by D.C. Gist and, uh, and William Henry Gist for sure. This is, I guess it takes me, I'm taken back because I remember not too long ago, and this is my personal opinion and my husband's as well, um, my son went on a field trip with the school and he was told he was going to be taken, I forgot what they called it, but they did not call it a plantation, um, and I chaperoned, and we got there and it was a plantation, the York Plantation, and um, I was just stunned at the information that they were giving the kids and I understand they didn't want to give them you know terrifying information but it wasn't accurate at all and that was like basic knowledge it was like oh they live in this cozy little cabin and you know they fed them and they took care of the fields and this was their job it took me back because as I sat there, I was like, are you really painting this like it's a fairy tale to these children, like they just worked on a farm? And, That's the it, it, and I was like, a lot of parents don't understand what their kids are getting. And you know, you had some someone dressed up like a slave and she acted as if she was so happy, you know? And I was like, really? You know, it just, it really took me back because they portrayed it like it was just a farm. You know, and these people lived here, and and the people in the big house took care of them and fed them, and and the school and, took them too. And that was from the school, and that was the information they were given. And then when the, you really get the greasy details of what happened, and not just slavery, because slavery is ten times worse. This was after, you know. So it's like if this went on in the community, and people saw this, they saw these bodies hanging, they saw these people sitting here, um, bodies demolished and torn to pieces. And this was normal mm -hmm. at that time to just walk past that and not say anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, our kids aren't getting anything close to that. And it, you don't have to paint it so graphic, but they do need to understand it wasn't a happy, jolly time, you know, and so it takes me back as an adult who knows a little more, but didn't know that much that this yeah. went on. It's just shocking. I mean, and that's just, that is just honestly so horrible. And you know, you hear stories like that are so common, unfortunately, you know, of a school field trip to a plantation and they're given this, this terrible narrative, which is just incredibly besides being completely historically inaccurate. Um, and so it, it, it's very, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult to have, to have that experience. I can't imagine, I can't imagine that. Um, it, hopefully there are historic sites now that are working to change that narrative. You know, I think if you visited Rose Hill now, you would have a you know, there would be a different experience there. They talk a lot more about enslavement and what 
and what that really meant and the terror of it, um, it, it, and it goes to show too, you know, kind of what Tamika was talking about earlier with when we're working with schools, yes, you, you don't want to give these children terror and nightmares and these kinds of things, but children are very curious and they, they understand much more about the world than I think we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And to not, to not teach them about this history and to not tell them that it was brutal and that it was scary and that it was bad is doing a disservice and is setting up people who will grow into adults who deny that slavery was bad, who will grow into mm-hmm. adults that deny that racism is real or that say that black lives matter doesn't. or say all lives matter instead of black lives matter like that is who those people grow up into and so you know it's (laughs) it's really really important that we talk about this history with kids in an honest way oh yeah i know i know we're almost out of time um but i i think one of my final questions with kate i have is just i know we know it's very serious but just talk about a little bit more about how how deep is this uh white supremacy and what would you say is like the best way to kind of dismantle white supremacy? I think I, I think I didn't hear you. What did you, can you repeat the question? My, my question, my final question was just how, how deep is uh, white supremacy and what's the best way to dismantle it? Mm, okay. Gosh, that's a big question. That could be another three hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think in the terms of this project, it's, uh, it is very deep. White supremacy, in, in my view, and my understanding of history, is it is really a fabric that's kind of woven into the fabric of who we are as a society and as a culture in America. And that's because we were so reliant on slavery from the beginning of America's foundation. And because we fought an entire war to preserve slavery. That, that kind of um, slavery was justified by racism and was embraced and underpinned by the idea of white supremacy, that white people inherently have more value than black people. And so that, that uh, does not just simply go away because you end, you end chattel slavery. Uh, that kind of perception persists through, through generations. You know, it, it persisted. Persisted. Excuse me, <laughs> persisted from slavery to Reconstruction to Jim Crow laws to the Civil Rights Movement, the inability of Black people to vote without restrictive laws uh, to to redlining in housing districts to uh, you know all of these different all of these different things to to the war on crime to the war on drugs. Those were racially motivated things in the eighties. So so. These kinds of policies, it's important to look at how they're affecting communities of color and particularly African-American communities from a historical lens. And we can really see kind of the threads of white supremacy and how those trail down through history. So that's kind of some examples of how I think it, it really underpins a lot of those structures. And then if, if, if white supremacy is the fabric that is underpinning those structures, it's really important to flip that on its head. And so how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can address white supremacy. There's people who are working in legal, like the, the branch of EJI that works to represent people on death row and who have been wrongfully convicted. There's 
societal, and that can look, you know, like housing justice, food insecurity, education, um, healthcare is a big one. So racial disparities in healthcare and medical racism has a long history too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then lynching is very much a part of, of kind of that legal system as well. When lynching became much more illegal and, and harder to do, that just evolved into over-incarceration and, and prosecution. And so, you know, those kinds of things need to be addressed. And so for us and our perspective, we obviously can't <laughs> end white supremacy through all of these different ways. But for us at the UCCRP, one of the ways that we're working to resolve these issues of white supremacy is to acknowledge this history. Mm-hmm. And so you can't fix something that you don't see. You can't address something that you don't acknowledge existed or happened. And so the first step is acknowledging and addressing that history. And then from there, you know, we're honoring these victims' lives and we're speaking truth about what happened. And so that is a very uh, important, important step in kind of dismantling that white supremacy. And then we're raising advocacy. We're raising awareness about this. You know, that, that's a big part of it, too. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to take actions in the future that I think will continue to, to dismantle that. We'll work with children in schools. We will hopefully uh, step into some black, or black uh, preservation, like Tamika kind of talked about with the LW Long Building in other incidents and other uh, other buildings. So, you know, there are there are a lot of different ways to dismantle it, but but those are kind of some of the ways that we're specifically working in. Okay. Good summation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to thank y'all for for uh, hearing us and, and welcoming us to participate today. And yes, your thank great you. questions. Great question. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, it's a lot to yeah. take. Yeah. I want to say, y'all, y'all, y'all smacked me in my face today. I, <laughs> I mean, when she asked, uh, what happened to the bodies? Like, oh, you know, of course, you know, our people, we, we went and buried them. Like, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing something new every time. <laughs> <laughs> right. wow. so, and and, I, and I, I really appreciate people like you and, and Tamika, for you've been doing this since you've been here, and especially see someone of a white race who says, you know what's fair you know we need cake you know we need that we need people mm-hmm. to speak like that yeah. and i don't want to let y'all know right quick when my son was doing homeschooling and they was talking about christopher columbus <laughs> and then the, you know the kids doing zoom when yeah. the teacher said something about the story of christopher columbus coming over here those kids went in on her i'm like the poor little yeah. thing you know, oh my God. <laughs> black white is that not he did not discover America. It was, yeah. I mean, white, black kids. Like, I mean, they stole this they country. Stole they were racist. And I was like, whoa. She, she had to redirect her whole lesson because yeah. it didn't go the way she thought it was going to go. <laughs> no. With the kids. So that's a good sign, you know. Yeah. That's a great point. That, is, that is really encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all color. They were kids of all color. They were not just the black kids. I was just stunned because it was for, for fifth grade. Fifth grade. Yeah. See, now I remember growing up, like when, we, when they taught us about Columbus, that was the main thing. They said he discovered America. It's Columbus like, Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all they would tell us. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I want to 
discover somebody's Jaguar. <laughs> take it. I don't think it works that way. Mm -hmm. But thank you again, guys. I just want to uh, uh, say uh, thanks to all the, the people that have been supporting us, folks that have been making donations to what we're doing. Um, we have a lot of folks that are contributing their time. Mm -hmm. If you think about, uh, you know, educators, historians, all these people have full-time jobs, and they are also doing this work on top of that. Uh, except for me, I'm retired. But <laughs> so they're working, and they're not all co-located here in Union County. They're they're all over. We have folks in Columbia, uh, Kate's in North Carolina. So EJI is spread out. So we have a lot of uh, folks, and uh, the Wagoja Foundation, uh, which is uh, the fundraising arm of the South Carolina African American Heritage Foundation. Um, our commission. I'm actually a commissioner now representing Union County as part of that commission. And what I'm hoping to do is to, to go into that preservation space as well because I think part of what we're doing is not just the, the vocal remembrance but the physical remembrance. So in addition to historical markers in addition to buildings that mean something to the black community and the entire community. Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we keep that conversation going? So we have Souls Collection that we'll be doing, um, which is part of this, this activity. We actually go and collect the soul at the locations where these individuals were lynched. It's a whole ceremony yeah. that goes with it to honor them. Uh, and um, one of the jars would go back to the museum in uh, Alabama and then we would maintain one of the jars here with their names on them. So we're working through a lot of stuff right now, a lot of activities uh, and programs that we're gonna do, and we wanna encourage folks to continue to participate, and then our initial culmination will be in June. We're gonna do a Juneteenth celebration, uh, and this will be part of that celebration out of the LW Loan Community Resource Center parking lot, and our intent is to take over that whole block. Uh, so it'll be outdoors, we'll have vendors, we'll have, so we'll be part of that celebration and, and that community engagement. So just a lot of stuff going on. How can people know. donate since you put it out there? Oh, that's a great question. Let me, let me look at my handy dandy cheat sheet here. <laughs> okay, here you go. Um, so if you wanted to donate, uh, you make checks payable to Wegoja, that's W-E-G-O-J-A, uh, P.O. Box 1053, Hartsville, South Carolina, 29551. And on that check, you want to make sure you put U-C-C-R-P. Or you can go to the Wegoja website, uh, which is www.wegoja.org slash take uh, hyphen action. And you can pay using PayPal. Uh, and all of this is also at our website as well, which will tell you how to do it. And I can throw this up on uh, Union's Time We Talk as far as any donations people would like to make. And then we encourage folks to get involved as well. If you don't want to make a monetary donation, you want to make a time donation, that's just as important to us to have volunteers. So we are looking at um, another aspect of maybe having interns uh, work with us. And we may even be able to do some paid internships. So there's a lot of a lot of things that we can do and that we're working on. Did I miss anything, Kate? 
No, I think that's it. I mean, if we have a volunteer who's real handy with money, then we can get you off of that uh, finance. That <laughs> <laughs> would be great for you, I think. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we just would be happy to have anybody join us, and uh, we're happy to take your money, too. So. <laughs> yes. Right. Absolutely. So as we get ready to wrap this episode up, Kate, we want to thank you again. Thank you, Tamika. Thank you for all this great information. It's very valuable. Um, it's a lot of stuff, like I said, a lot of things that I didn't know um, personally, um, so it was great to have this conversation. Like you said, we, we definitely need to have more of these conversations because it's very important to our culture and our community. Um, but if you guys didn't get a chance to watch this episode live, be sure to watch it. You can go back and listen to it on Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, as well as my website, Carlos K. Smith. So until next time, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is Union It's Time We Talk, Season 2. Thank you for listening.